Welcome to the New Species Podcast. I'm your host, Zoe Albion. On this podcast, we learn about recent discoveries of species that are new to science, but not necessarily new to nature. We ask scientists how they found these new species and why they matter. We learn about what makes a new species and hear some behind the scenes stories along the way. So join us as we explore the biodiversity of our planet and the scientists who help us better understand it. Hi, everyone. Thanks for waiting patiently for a new episode during my brief hiatus uh, between conferences and some personal travel. I was really glad to have a break. Um, the podcast will be back to its regular bi-weekly schedule now. And if you ever want updates, our publication schedule, or anything else, you can check out New Species Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, or you can shoot me an email at newspeciespodcast at gmail.com. Now to the episode. Welcome to the New Species Podcast. I'm your host, Zoe Albion, and I'm here with Javier Blasco Arostegui, a PhD student at the University of Lisbon. He's here today to tell us about his paper published in the November 9th issue of American Museum Novitatis, in which he and his co-author describe a unique new scorpion from the foothills of Mount Olympus. Welcome, Javier. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about it. Before we jump right in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your interest in scorpions? Well, that um, will take us long ago. When I was a, a child, I was always fascinated by creepy crawlies. So I would go all around my village, collecting them and keeping them in a truck to see if I can tell them apart, which <laughs> by that age, it was completely impossible. <laughs> But um, my interest in scorpions specifically, I think it's more recent. Honestly, it came from a trip I did to Costa Rica where they have a, an amazing diversity and I just get uh, really deep into them. Do you have a, a degree in uh, entomology or biology or? Yeah, I have a degree in biology. I studied in the University of Salamanca in Spain. And can you tell us about this particular group of scorpions that your paper is on? Um, so you work on the family Euscorpidae, uh, which which I believe are commonly known as small wood scorpions. Yeah, you're totally right. That's uh, the common name they give to these uh, kitters. I I mean, there's uh, any specific things you want to know about the group or just... Uh... Tell us about them. Um, what do they look like? I mean... These uh, scorpions are really particular compared to other uh, groups because they are really <laughs> easy to sex, unlike the the rest of the of the majority of them, because the the males exhibit like a really really globose telson, which stands for the stinger, is the term for the stinger we use, and the female it has like a thin thin in comparison and it's so cool because they have different venom compositions and when they mate the male will sting the female so it's more receptive it's kind of weird but in <laughs> defense of the male if he doesn't that that the female will eat him afterwards so so the stakes are high <laughs> And how big are they? Because scorpions can get quite large. Yeah, this particularly 
as the name uh, indicates, right? The small wood scorpions are not uh, that big. I think the maximum length we registered is around 50 millimeters. Yeah, but normally they, they stay between 20 and 30 millimeters. That's the, the mean. That's not too big. Yeah. <laughs> when we're thinking about the group, how does this family relate to the other scorpions? That's a good question and one we've been longing for an answer. There's like a lot of work still going on to clarify the relationships between the scorpion families, but we are not there quite yet. So I cannot uh, tell you something really specific about it. You know, that's part of science and the, and the work that you do is uh, answering questions that are sometimes really much more difficult than people anticipate. Yeah, it's it's curious because uh, families in scorpions are normally even smaller. This one's like a medium-sized family, I would say, almost large. But uh, normally they, they will just uh, have a, a few species in them. This one is almost like 130 total by now currently from what we know and what is currently described. But of course, the main uh, family of scorpions, I don't, that is Butide, and it's the, the most famous one because it's where all the venomous animals are and those that we that can be harmful to us. It's like more than a thousand species, I would say, around that. I'm not sure. <laughs> and so the scorpions that you're researching uh, what's their geographic distribution? Where are they found? These scorpions are, um, in terms of biogeography, are distributed ac across the Western Palearctic, meaning from the Iberian Peninsula to Turkey, and also in some parts of Northern Africa, which is pretty amazing. They have colonized every nook in in Europe and also in Northern Africa. Yeah, they, these guys are something else. Wow. I mean, that's such a broad uh, range of habitats too, I imagine. Yeah, they're, they're more mostly restricted to humid or semi-humid habitats, but there's like a lot of uh, generalist species that can be found either in your own house, which happens quite a lot, in countries like Italy, for example, they even have like um, um, how how you call this like a, a scorpion day infection companies, something like that. Oh yeah, like um, like pest management. <laughs> yeah, <right>? exactly. That's, <laughs> that's <the word. laughs> oh no, yeah, this is not a problem that I have in the United States, <laughs> at least in my my region of the United States. But yeah, these are um, pretty harmless scorpions. They are uh, well-behaved. They won't sting you. They will just search for their little uh, crevices to hide in and don't bother anyone. And um, what are they doing? Like, what do they hunt? They mostly, as every other scorpion, they will just eat anything that comes in front of them. Mostly bugs, of course, but there's some. I I don't know about this European fauna, but there has been some sightings of scorpions even eating vertebrates. 
but yeah, they mostly eat uh, insects and other arachnids or even their own kin. You could have collected anywhere in this pretty large range, but this paper is about scorpions that you collected at Mount Olympus, like the Mount Olympus. Um, so can you can you tell me like how you and your co-author decided to collect here and and what it was like to go to such a special place? It was truly fascinating, right? Because we all know about the the legends surrounding Mount Olympus. And it's really a monumental mountain. When you arrive there, you can really get those goosebumps because it's a marvelous thing in in nature. And uh, we were expecting some cool stuff going on over there because it's like a center of endemism for plants and other insects. So we were kind of like, okay, let's try to search for our guys there. Let's see what uh, what is going on for them. Yeah, so I was curious, um, one topic you discussed in your paper are um, these areas, uh, in, in the case of the Mediterranean mountains, acting as uh, refugia. Um, so can you tell us what a refugium is and why it's relevant to the process of describing new species? Yeah, that's a pretty nice question and straight to the point. <laughs> I would define uh, a, a refugium is the the singular form um, in this particular case of biology as uh, an area uh, with an relatively unaltered climate during a specific period of time, meaning some impactful climatic event such as uh, naridification or a glaciation where uh, plants and animals seek for shelter, thriving in there during these uh, climatic oscillations. So in the end, it turns out that this area could be like a center of relict forms, which can later be dispersed during more favorable times or just remain forever isolated in that area where they have a pretty much constant climate and an altar. Can you explain what you mean by relictiforms? Yeah, we we will define a relict form like as an animal that inhabits a particular region for a long time and that probably has diverged within that area, specifically adapting to the environment. That's kind of amazing to think about um, all this evolution happening in other parts of the region at just like in an entirely different way than the species that are adapting and uh, surviving in this like particular area of refuge. And especially as we go forward and, and the climate changes so much, um, this must be like a really interesting type of area to study. Yeah, exactly. And it's also an area that um, offers a lot of different habitats. It's so heterogeneous. You, you practically have a different type of forest as long as um, as you go right up in in altitude, there's like a clear patterns of altitudinal zonation, and with the scorpions within the region, it's clear that each species has adapted to a specific environment, and it's so cool because at, for example, at two thousand meters of altitude, you can find one species. Then you go a little bit down, you have a different type of forest, and there's that's a, a different species. 
And then you go to the new species we're just, just describing, which is isolated in a very particular rocky habitat where it's clear that it diverged. It's clearly adapted to those narrow crevices and rocky habitats where it can really thrive. It's it's really amazing. That is so cool. Um, and and you you titled your paper Glacial Relics. Is that why? Yeah, exactly. We we are hypothesizing that these species might have been isolated there for that long. I mean, probably it was like a long time ago as isolation, even before the glaciations. But of course, as in many other fauna in Europe or Florida, the glaciations also promoted this diversification because they kept the animals in that same place for even longer time. So there was no gene flow between the different populations. It's just a specific genital signal that has remained isolated for millions and millions of years. Oh man, before I get too ahead of myself, um, can you bring us back to the fieldwork for this project? Um, can you tell us about going to Mount Olympus, looking for the scorpions? The you mean like uh, techniques or uh, or particular uh, things we do when when it comes to fieldwork? Yeah, and um, tell me about like where you collected and how you got there. Did you hike in? Did you stay locally or? I actually been to Mount Olympus twice already. And the first time I was just exploring how to reach certain areas, exploring new ones like the one we we found this species. And I mostly drove there. Like there's pretty nice roads that even take you up the mountain. But of course, the upper you get, the worse the, the roads get. And uh, <laughs> so I was trying to make to this... Um, almost at the top um, place where one of the species was originally described. This is a Scorpius kinthobaki. That is the one inhabiting almost at the top of the mountain, over 2,000 meters. And yeah, the road was really, really difficult to drive in. So I was literally at uh, five kilometers per hour try uh, praying that I won't <laughs> flatten any tires. <laughs> because there was no signal at that uh, at that altitude. And then as soon as you reach the, the place, we just wait for the, um, for the uh, dusk and uh, take our UV lamps and start searching. Because as probably everybody will know, the scorpions are fluorescent. I've collected scorpions before using this method. Um... Uh, I was actually really a little scared to collect them um, because I didn't want to get stung um, and they move very fast. Um, so so out of curiosity, do you have any tips for me the next time I go out collecting scorpions? I can be a little more confident. Yeah, as, as I told you, most of the harmful ones are within one family and most of them is just pain, luckily for us, <laughs> that it will eventually go away. But uh, the technique we use is so simple. Everybody's asking me, how do you grab them? How do you... We just use some metal forceps long enough to be cautious when collecting them. So you just grab them by the metasoma, which stands for the tail, which is the abdomen in scorpions. And you got that part control, the stinger, which is the, uh, <laughs> the dangerous area, right? And then just put them in a bottle. There you go. Easy. 
Easy peasy. <laughs> I can't wait. Can I ask you first, where, where were you collecting the, the scorpions? Here in the in the States? Yeah, um, I was out in Arizona. Oh, um, cool. I went a couple times, actually. Um, it was actually, it was so exciting because um, I, so I was visiting in February, which was like a little bit early in the season. Uh -huh. And the people I was collecting with, they didn't think we would find much. Um, and we didn't find as much as usual, but the things that we did find were sort of um, unexpected. And one of them was... Um, this particular scorpion, uh, which my friend had been trying to collect for years uh, because it was named after the mountain range that we were collecting on. Do you know this one? What's what's the name of that one? Is it um, is like a Jovide or something like this? Superstitiona donensis is the scorpion. Oh, in the yeah. superstition mountains. Those yeah. are really weird to find. Yeah, it's true. It's true. They're they so were cool. Yeah, they're so tiny, <laughs> and I was so scared. <laughs> Oh my god, from the superstition mountains. That's a funny name for a mountain, though. I know. <laughs> but yeah, been there for years collecting and had never found any. And for some reason in, in February, in like mid-February, we found like six different individuals. Um oh, so it was so it was season. so exciting. I don't know. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> but yeah, they were little guys. Um I, I really don't usually have trouble collecting anything but scorpions scorpions i need to be a little more courageous about collecting <laughs> every time i would like pick up the rock and i would be like oh there's somebody under here who would like to collect <laughs> <laughs> who will get this one not me <laughs> i mean they have too many weapons right they have the the, the pincers and the stinger and you're like what? i don't know yeah <laughs> um it was such an amazing experience uh I have collected fighters at night before, and of course you shine the light and you see their eyes reflecting back at you, but to have the UV light and to see the scorpions just like lit up, it was, it was beautiful. It's uh, something really out of this world. I, I've taken some of my friends to show them how it is, and they were like uh, pretty reluctant at first, like, oh man, we don't want to go see those critters. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. And then they all were amazed by, by that uh, bluish coloration, which nobody would expect from a from an arachnid, right? And when you were first finding these individuals, did you say right away? Because you said they have that distinct morphology. Did you say right away, like this is a new species? Yeah, it was funny because uh, there was like a previous student collecting in that area, and he brought uh, a juvenile of the of this species. And we were, okay, this looks weird, but still, uh, we cannot really say that is new. Let's search again. Then I went there. I saw them just by seeing them, because as I told you, these guys are normally really small. These were monsters in comparison. These were almost reaching the 50 millimeters length that I was telling before about. And I was okay. This has to be something new. And then I grabbed the first one. I saw the coloration, which is really, really particular in comparison to the other species in the group. I saw the the kila, the pincers that were really narrow and elongated, perfectly matching the habitat they were in. I was okay. We got something new and cool here. <laughs> That's so exciting. Is this is this your first new species? 
I would say yes, because I also participated in another new species description with a friend of mine. But uh, I was like um, a young scientist by then, so I didn't know the scorpions that well. But this one, I, I made it from scratch and, and I would say yes, yeah, this is truly the first one. Oh man, congratulations, it's like your baby. Thank you, it, this is really special for a taxonomist, although there's, uh, as contrary as what people would, would think, there's like a new species finding every day, and you know that, like especially in arthropods, right? But it's uh, it's such a labor of love to describe a species, and especially like you say from scratch, you know, you you are in the middle of your PhD, you're doing all this research, and and this is like an amazing result. So I, I hope you're I hope you're excited about it. Yeah, we are, and my, and my friends as well. They were so supportive with it. So I was okay. This is cool. <laughs> you and your co-author Lorenzo Prendini decided to name this new species Euscorpius olympus. Yes. I mean, as soon as I know it was something new, I made a, a biggest list of species names, <laughs> you know, trying to relate it to the, to the mysticism around the mountain and everything. <laughs> but in the end, we had like a really nice talk and we were like, yeah, but it's the Mount Olympus. I think it's worth to have a species name as only the mountain it's 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 a really really cool name what we were giving like uh, some 80s adicus name related to the 80s because it was at the foothills of mount olympus really deep into the ground so i was like oh. <laughs> but uh, yeah i think uh, olympus was the name that really gave us the most right and that's what matters that's all that matters um and where did you deposit your types there, okay, so when depositing a type, you always have to take into account the, um, the type of collection you're gonna put it in and the accessibility it has to other people. And taking those things into account, we decided to deposit it in the um, American Museum of Natural History, which has one of, if not the biggest scorpion collection in the world, and it's, accessible to every researcher easily accessible because my some people might be wondering like why didn't you deposit the type in greece right which would be more or less the appropriate thing to do just because of these reasons and also because i'm doing part of my phd there so i have easy access to the to the types in case i need to go over some parts of their morphology or anything like that it's not just a specimen in a vial because you also had a molecular component to your research, right? So you also have cryogenic storage. Yes, we have. Um, there's like a cryogenic facility where we have the the tissue frozen in the museum whenever we want to do some molecular research on them as well. That's super cool. So you said you had some near death experiences while collecting. Yeah. Sadly, I have more than one <laughs> that I can tell you guys about. But oh no! One this summer, particularly, I was uh, at another site in Greece. I was uh, actually getting a, another new species in a really particular habitat. Again, 
which were was by basically a muddy slope with a lot of rocks in it. And uh, these guys really like to be under rocks. So I was trying to climb myself up there. I was getting them out of the rocks with a pickaxe. I had to crack the the door the the rock open. And then there there was like a, luckily for me it was a tiny rock slide, and uh, one of them fell to my chest. I I found myself hanging like around four meters from the floor on barely mm. one ah. hand. Yeah, these rocks were sharp, so I got a deep cut in my fingers, but I I had to hold on somehow. And yeah, I got the new species. I went <laughs> down slowly and I said to myself, okay, not anymore. Especially, especially because I was alone by, by that time. That was so reckless of me. Yeah, I shouldn't have done that. So travel with friends and be aware oh, of rock slides and... Maybe leave the species for the next time. Yeah, for the next time when they're more accessible. When they want when they really want to be discovered. Maybe they <laughs> this time. You've donated truly your your own blood to this research. Yeah. I give everything my own. <laughs> I think your paper is really compelling in part because it demonstrates that even if these really well-known landmarks, there are still new species to be described. Um, but why do you think that it's important to do this work to describe new species? And and why does your work matter? Well, that's the, <laughs> the hardest question <laughs> to ever ask a taxonomist, right? But uh, I think it's really important to know the biodiversity of this planet and more during these days that everything is facing extinction, right? So it's important to know what we have before it disappears. And uh, particularly for my job, it's really cool to be able to get a hold of this extant biodiversity and preserve it forever in a museum. So everybody in the future, even if these species are not around anymore, could know what uh, type of animals were living in at that at that time, right? And that's, I think, also the the purpose of uh, the mission collections. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. For for taxonomists, we are so underappreciated in the scientific community because this not as uh, an important job for most of the other researchers, but it's actually where it all starts from, right? If you want to make evolutionary questions, ecological questions, you have to know the taxa, you have to know the animals, you have to be able to tell them apart one species from the other, because the results can be completely different if you're comparing, for example, these animals, one that is completely adapted to rocky habitats, one that is completely adapted to forests. They will see different behaviors, different habits, and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And there are so many questions that we can ask in the process of describing these species, like like you and Lorenzo have done about um, climate refugia and about the evolutionary history of your scorpions. There are so many different directions that this research can go. But as you said, you have to start with the description of the species and you have to start with understanding where they fit in the taxonomic catalog. 
And there's a lot more work to be done. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole new horizon to be explored in that sense, not only in this group, but in several, several groups of, especially arthropods. There are the more diverse creatures in our past planet. Well, thank you so much for um, telling us about your new species and talking to us about scorpions. And um, it's been, yeah, such a great time to talk to you. And uh, I I hope you continue to have a lot of success in your work. Thanks a lot, Zoe. It was my pleasure to be here. It's my first podcast and I was really excited about it. And I had so much fun. I'm so glad. Javier Blasco Arastegui's paper, Glacial Relicts, a New Scorpion from Mount Olympus, Greece, is in the November 9th issue of American Museum Novitatis. To learn more about Javier and his work, you can follow him on Instagram at Javier B-L-A-R, on Twitter at J Blasco Arosteg, or at his ResearchGate profile, link in the description. Thanks for listening to this episode of the New Species Podcast. This podcast was created by Brian Patrick and is edited and produced by Zoe Albion. If you would like to support us, please consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash newspeciespod. And if you'd like to get in touch with questions or feedback, please email us at newspeciespodcast at gmail.com. Um... You had some near-death experiences. Sorry, let me say it without laughing. Hmm. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> right? Because some of this I'm going to cut. And so <laughs> it'll sound really funny because we've been laughing for like five minutes. Yeah. Um, this is the hardest. This is the hardest part for me of recording is like not laughing. <laughs> yeah.